This is Vigneto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow. From the land and sea they roam. Drinking wine in the great unknown. I'm Susanna Gold. I'm a wine educator, brand ambassador, writer, and marketer with a keen interest in both new and old world wines. My websites are vignettocommunications.com and susannagold.com. And of course, I have a wine blog, avinata.com. I'm particularly keen on Italy, where I lived for 15 years. While I do consider myself a wine geek, I love to look at wine from all aspects. One of the things I want to do with this podcast is delve into the many facets of the wine world, looking at it from multiple points of view. The podcast will have different series, and for the next 10 weeks, I will be discussing the topic of sustainability with my friend and fellow wine lover, geek, and expert, Sunny Gandara. Hi, everyone. I'm Sunny, and I've worked in multiple facets in the wine industry uh, over the past 15 years or so. Currently, I'm the U.S. brand director for Quechabella, which is an Italian winery located in Tuscany, and uh, I have a special interest in vegan and organic wines. I'm also the global wine director for Matthew Kenny Cuisine, which is a worldwide plant-based hospitality and restaurant group. Um, a trained chef and food and wine blogger on the side where my focus is on pairing wines with plant-based dishes. I want everyone to discover the enormous, exciting and delicious world of plants and the gastronomic pleasures you can get eating a vegan diet with a glass of wine, of course. Here we are with David Glancy of the San Francisco Wine School. So happy to see you, even if it's just virtually, David. Um, It's been a long time, but I've known you for a while, and I'm I'm really excited to talk with you. Good morning. Thanks uh, for having me on. It's great to see you, too. Thank you so much. So my first question to you is, have you seen in the San Francisco Wine School an increase in interest in the whole natural wine, sustainable wine conversation among your students? There has been a bit. It, uh, it definitely hasn't been rampant everywhere, you know, but I'd say at least every other class, if it isn't already in the topic, some, someone in the class is bringing it up. So I'm seeing a little bit of it, but then there are also plenty of people in classes who, you know, don't have a big interest in it or haven't heard of it yet. But, but it's, it's increasing in a small way, I'd say. Hmm. And so how much importance do you put on on teaching about sustainability? Do you think that's important? Do you include it? You know, future of farming, of course, there's a lot of discussions about that. How do you feel about that? And what do you do um, to include that in your teaching? Yeah, we definitely already have that built in, you know, preloaded in curriculum, if you will, into a few of the programs. Uh, We've got you know, 18 different credential programs plus workshops. California Wine Appalachian Specialist is where we put the biggest emphasis on it. Also, because we're trying to really define a lot of things that people might see on labels or on websites or or be told about. So we're trying to explain those programs in, in the labeling law portion, if you will. Um, but some essentials, certified specialist of wine, which is a prep for uh, one of the SWE programs, um, those are where it gets the most. Uh, we are um, we are starting to work on a freestanding um, a consumer workshop. Um, one that is sustainable, organic. Another that is 
natural slash uh, skin contact slash non-topped barrels, Kevry, etc. You know, because I see them as very different topics. Absolutely. And do you offer virtual classes too, or is it just in person at the San Francisco Wine School? Yeah, let's see. Uh, so March a year ago, we were 5% online business. And the next week we were 100% online business. Um, we have found our 4,000 square foot uh, event and education center uh, that it's super fun to pay rent on that and not occupy it. But uh, we actually uh, turned it into a bottling center uh, one of the three classrooms into a bottling center and we've been rebottling and shipping wine to 43 states so we actually have been doing a lot and then a few weeks ago uh, we launched uh, as the state and counties have opened up we've launched our hybrid classrooms uh, so that is where we can have people in person and online at the same time with the instructor effectively reaching everyone and everyone getting to feel engaged. Nice. nice. I have so many questions to ask you that are follow-ups to what you just talked about. So going back for a second, before we talk about the bottling center, which is like a huge topic of interest to me personally, and I, I wanna talk about that with you. I'm sorry you don't get to use the space this year as you had wanted to use it, but it sounds like you've got some great alternatives. But can we go back to your view of natural wine and organic and skin contact, skin contact, excuse me, and sustainability and how you see them as very separate topics? Can you sort of separate that out for me? I think that's sure. what you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, I, I, and when I say separate, it's tough because there's a lot of overlap and there's a lot of confusion. So I like to deal with sustainability versus organic and biodynamic sort of in, in one setting that there's lots of overlap there for sure. And, you know, I, I, I definitely deal with, there are um, hmm, uh, terroirists, who, uh, you know, it's all about the chemicals, that's everything, and sustainability is a cop-out to them that, you know, you're not actually banning chemicals. I'm like, well, that depends on who you're talking to. We have many different sustainable certifications, and some of them have forbidden chemical lists, and some of them don't. But organic and biodynamic don't give a damn if you install a solar panel uh, you know, a solar field, if you do water recollection, um, you know, if you set, you know, moisture probes in your vineyards, uh, you know, if you have your own water treatment facility, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you've created uh, a riparian zone at your winery, you've given back vineyard land to restore riverbanks, you know, all these things that are unsustainable, just organic and biodynamic doesn't deal with that at all. So um, I like to talk about that and, you know, give as many examples as we can. Um, and, and also show the differences between the different sustainability programs. Right. It, it, they are very complicated. And in fact, Sunny and I go back and forth all the time about this topic. She hates the use of the word sustainable. I like it. I think it includes bigger topics other than just um, the vineyard and the, the winery. I think it also includes, you know, workers and sort of the social responsibility piece. And I, I just like it, but I know that it's not a term that everybody 
everybody likes or uses in the same way. So yeah. are you talking about when you're teaching the trade or when you can teaching consumers? Because I know you teach both. Yeah, both. Absolutely. I think I think both are ready to hear it. And, um, you know, to, to simplify it for them, you know, that that organic i mean my my um my <laughs> my sustainable for idiots is you know that organic is just no chemicals done chemicals are out keep it natural if you will biodynamic no chemicals everything done in conjunction with the phases of the moon and there's all these different preparations and it's not witchcraft it's kind of like the farmer's almanac but we can tell you more. And then sustainable is every input, every output, measuring it, improving every year. But it's about the environment, but it's about sustaining the business. It's about supporting the community. It's about, um, you know, um, you know, conserving limited resources. And, uh, you know, that there aren't, they aren't better than each other. And the good news is there are folks who are SIP certified or Lodi rules or whatever, that they have a sustainability certification, but they're also organic or they're also biodynamic. Right. There, where do you see wine educating uh, wine education heading in the years ahead? Obviously, after the year we've had, where do you see any new changes that can, you know, be better or, or something that excites you? Yeah, I mean, it's... There, there, there are so many things. I mean, what, what has excited me I'm going to say, you know, for the last, God, it's nearly a decade now is, is almost a rediscovery of California for me personally. Um, and I started out as a Francophile and, you know, French wine was, was the source of everything for me. And um, I always preferred old world wines and um, you know, even becoming a master sommelier, it's, it's been easy to dumb down, the new world in general, the grape is on the label. We're done. Um, and, you know, diving into California just because I saw there was no product, there were no education programs, credential programs in California wine. So it was a business need that made me fill that niche. And then writing the program, uh, I got to say, it has made me do road trips and creative hiking tasting uh, days so many times that I, I have discovered so many layers of California that I, I didn't realize were there. Mm -hmm. And what really excites me is my students reporting back that, oh my God, I went and I saw that winery and that one, you know, I saw the region and, and wow, it was just like you said. And I discovered this thing and I'm like, what? Wait, I don't know that thing. And so they're reporting back to me and giving me new information. And then I've got to go do another road trip. So uh, that's been super exciting. Um, I'm excited about emerging regions though. Uh, you know, we don't know what the next thing is going to be. Um, you know, Bulgarian wine has been knocking at our door. Uh, you know, we're not seeing as much of it as I thought we would uh, based on, uh, you know, sort of the first trips that they, they were making here. Uh, Slovenian wine, we really haven't seen that much of it. Um, English sparkling wine is conquering the world. 
Uh, now I'm waiting for uh, the still wines uh, next warmer season. Um, yeah, so it's it's just fun to see what what will be next. I, I'm waiting for Moldovan Pinot Noir to make it to California. I love it. And I, I do love that you're doing a California wine education program because I've been missing that too. And I'm also guilty of just drinking old world and just kind of California as an afterthought, but there's so many exciting areas there. So um, I definitely will be taking that program now that I know it exists. So. Oh yeah, it's a great program. I've been, I've been trying to take it for years, but just couldn't, couldn't kind of fit it in. But you know, that's, that's my next one after I finish what I'm currently doing. And you also just created one on the Pacific Northwest. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, Northwest Wine Appalachian Specialist, uh, you know, Fred Swan really took the lead on this program for us. Uh, he's been with us since the beginning. Um, and all right, not quite six months in, whatever, close enough. Uh, so basically, you know, we found there is more thirst for knowledge, pun intended, uh, Oregon and Washington, for sure. That's that's a no brainer that people want to learn more about that. But also Oregon, even in the trade, a lot of people, you know, our Willamette Valley, Pinot Noir, Pinot Gris done. Uh, you know, that's all we've got to dig into southern Oregon really thoroughly to make sure they understand the rocks of Milton Freewater. That's that's really Oregon. Uh, and, and looking at those different uh, wines. And, you know, then, well, while we're here, we got to look at some AVAs that overlap in a way that you're not expecting. So we got to talk about Snake River. Uh, so if we're going there, we might as well jump across the border fully into Idaho. Um, and that's a surprise to people when we give them Idaho wines. Um, and then British Columbia. Uh, you know, we talk about British Columbia in our CSW program and in a few other places, we talk about it, our World Grape Series, we talk about Pinot Noir from there. Um, but, um, you know, to, to really dive into it in depth, that's an exciting thing. I don't know anyone else doing that. And, um, you know, that is that is our hardest one to get wines. Um, that That is definitely a big challenge, but we've gotten some outstanding wines. Um, you know, we've, we've paid more for them and, you know, it's harder to get a, a 12 wine flight, but um, that's exciting stuff. So it's just, it's four classes. It's, uh, is that right? I'm pretty sure. Um, Southern Oregon gets its own. Willamette Valley gets its own. Washington gets its own. No, I, uh, yeah, I'm not sure, but definitely uh, British Columbia gets its own session, and then there's an exam at the end. Nice. Yeah, we had uh, Jen, great. We had uh, Jen Huther on uh, on another episode, who's a Canadian first Canadian female master sommelier, and she has been championing Canadian wines and you know a lot of organic selections. And I've been really curious about that, so that's great that you're including that in in the certification as well. I'm trying to go up there in two weeks, but they won't let us in. Not right. yet. Not yet. Well, we'll see, you know, how that, how that evolves. But since you are a master sommelier, I wanted to ask you what you're seeing in the master sommelier community in California in terms of sustainability. <laughs> Thank you for narrowing that down. Yes, uh, <laughs> sustainability. There, there is a lot there. Uh, so I, 
I will say I haven't seen the new um, Court of Master Sommelier's introductory slides uh, to see if they've added anything in on sustainability. Uh, the last time I led an intro, there, there wasn't anything. Um, you know, there's been so much else to talk about with the Court of Master Sommelier's that that hasn't come up. Uh, there's course. a ton of improvements and openness and all this going on. Um, but I really haven't, haven't um, you know, I haven't been in the room where it happens, if you will. I've been in the, the group calls, um, but I, I haven't dug in and seen what's going on. Well, yeah. we'll see. I'm proctoring the MS exam next month. So um, the MS theory. So we'll see if that's that's coming up. I'll report back late. We would love to know that. I just wondered because you've got a, you know, like a, a different bird's eye view about what people are talking about in terms of sustainability. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned Tobless Creek. Um, I certainly would have to bring up, you know, the, the godfathers of sustainability in the U.S., Ein Fetzer, um, you know, not just with Bonterra, but just everything that they've done. Um, you know, they, they've practically written the book on sustainability. Um, but, but others, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm blessed with getting access to too many that I have trouble in my old age remembering them all. Uh, but I have been um, a judge in the California Sustainable Wine Growers Alliance Green Medal Awards. Uh, this is, I think, my fifth year. And so I'm getting exposed to a, a lot of folks who are doing cool stuff. Uh, I would say I was stunned to find out how much Boisse is doing. Um, because I very often see them more from a marketing perspective than I do from um, and a fun perspective, which is all good. Uh, but they're really doing a, an outrageous uh, amount of things uh, at, at particularly at Deloche uh, is where they're doing a lot of it. But at all of their properties, they're doing stuff. Um, you know, Halter Ranch uh, down in Paso. Um Shannon uh, in um, Lake County is doing a lot. Um, who is, uh, uh, I, I would say one that's under the radar for a lot of people, but a big producer, Shide, uh, Shide in Monterey. An example of how sustainability goes beyond um, organics in some ways. They um, had their own uh, wind turbine installed and it provides all of the electricity for the winery and 50 nearby homes. Oh my God. Wow. And, that's, that's, wow. and then they built a community soccer complex hmm. just because giving to the community, they want it to be a good place where they live. Um, O'Neill, uh, O'Neill Vintners, I had no familiar, familiarity with them prior to this year. Uh, and they've got wineries under their corporate umbrella, if you will. Mm -hmm. But um, they've got something like the, the world's largest biofiltration farm. Uh, it's, it's just crazy what they're doing. They have zero. They reuse every single bit of their water. Um, so interesting. Can you what what is the Green Meadows Awards? I don't know anything about that. 
Yeah, so it's the California Sustainable Wine Growers Alliance. Uh, one, they, they did a green cookbook and all, but uh, this award every year, there is, um, let's see, there's categories for the award. One is environment. Mm-hmm. Another is community. Mm-hmm. Uh, third one is business. And then you look at how they did, uh, an applicant did in all three of these, and they can also choose to put themselves in for leadership. Um, and I'd say Jordan, I've got to throw Jordan in the mix. Jordan gives millions of dollars to causes. Uh, and, um, and Boisse is also doing stuff for social causes as well. So there's, there's a, a lot, there's a lot, lot of going over- on. It sounds like a lot. Yeah. Sometimes it just feels like California is such a different world than over here on the East Coast. So it's you're just the perfect person to kind of speak to about all of this, which is one of the reasons that I, I really wanted to speak with you. Um, Back to the sort of restaurant sommelier world, um, you know, I in the food world, you know, we, we've seen some changes post COVID with um, me being vegan. I was very excited about 11 Madison Park going 100% plant based just to you know, Daniel Hum was saying that the way we produce food is no longer sustainable. And I was curious um, if you've seen something similar happening. I think you kind of alluded to it previously, but um, where want buyers and sommeliers getting perhaps more conscious of how um, how the wine they purchase are produced, say, or do people, do you think people still hold traditional values? Because I saw something about 11 Madison Park's wine program is going to stay the same, that they're not necessarily trying to embrace the organic, natural. And I found that kind of interesting that they separate the two because it's both food products, in my opinion. But That's I, very odd. Yeah. That's interesting. Right, right. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't know. And I don't know how mainstream it will get i don't know how far it will proliferate you know uh doing vegan or or at least meatless uh through you know a multitude uh, or a majority of of michelin star restaurants let's say so that would be surprising to me that there'd be enough customers to embrace that i don't know um with wine i you know i still think there are an awful lot of retail and restaurant buyers who really want good juice. They want the wine to taste good, Uh, you know, and if it tastes good, then they're looking at price and they're looking at what is the story of the winery? Is there a good story to tell? You know, who are the people? Do they do good things? Um, There has been more and more focus that we must have some serious sustainable wines. We must have some natural wines that is growing in restaurant wine programs and retail. Um, we've got to have wines that reflect social causes or underserved communities. You know, uh, we should have some wines in our restaurant or store that were made uh, by African American winemakers or owned wineries. We should know for sure we've got women-owned wineries or women winemakers, uh, Mexican-American. You know, we're looking at everything that, you know, people are really paying attention to, you know, what, what are causes behind some of these wineries, um, if nothing else for the optics. But a lot of people are actually, you know, this is a heartfelt cause. And, it's, and for some, it's a wake-up call. 
I didn't realize what an issue this is. I didn't realize there were so many good wines that meet that. Um, yeah. And let, let's do it. Um, we did an event called Sips with Soul um, back in July last year, uh, which is the most ambitious online event we ever did. But um, we had 12 African-American-owned wineries and we had 22 panelists presenting these wines in a Zoom. Um, and we went through and did a, did a, a tasting of these. But when I was looking at what wineries are we going to include, I seriously thought there were roughly 25 African-American owned wineries in California. We went global. We had Italian. We had, you know, Oregon and Washington. But uh, the list quickly grew to over 70. Uh, so there are far more than I realized. Um, and, and that was a phenomenal event. And, and we're, it's great. It's, we're seeing interest much much more interest people are coming back to us saying can you do a corporate version of that event for us you had 22 panels uh 22 panelists 150 attendees um 12 two ounce bottles shipped to 150 attendees think about how many bottles that is that um, is a really impressive size just the 22 panelists alone managing 22 panelists sounds insane to me five is a lot yes 22 is like how long did this event last uh it was two and a half hours uh but oh. we had an intermission um okay. and that intermission tower of power played a song for us oh, nice. <laughs> nice. wow i mean that's a that's a big event that's that's very interesting yeah i that's very interesting. I did not know that there were 70 um, African-American owned wineries in California alone. Uh, that's super rough. Uh, I've, no, I've I'm got, just saying like, yeah. even, I mean, you know, it, I thought, yeah, that, that's really very interesting. And um, so that kind of leads me to another question, which is what classes during the pandemic really were your students looking for? Did you see a change in the classes that they focused on or you know, was it the same? I mean, you have so many, but was it the same kind of groupings as usual? That's a tough call. Um, and, and it's tough to say what what caused some of it, because um, certainly we we had at the beginning of the pandemic, our trade uh, trade classes just plummeted uh, because more than half of our students were unemployed at that exactly. time. Yeah. Um, which is when we converted from uh, doing a once a year scholarship that we ran and funneled it through Scholarship America to at the start of the pandemic, we went ahead and put together a board of directors and launched a separate entity, uh, the Glancy Wine Education Foundation. And, and 501c3? now 501c3. And they issue scholarships year round. Good for you, David. So uh, suddenly, and, and one of the nice things, in addition to our own fundraising, uh, Wine Spectator donated $100,000. Wow. So really significant. We are the, we are the first uh, independently owned school they've ever uh, given money to. That's amazing. Congratulations. And thank you. And then all of a sudden, 
boom, we've got trade students. So now our credential programs are going crazy. A lot of this is people on scholarship, but consumers from all over uh, are jumping into our uh, Grapes of the World series, our Wines with Style series, our intro series. Um, so I, I don't, it, it is hard. It is uh, it, looking all the different directions we, we feel like we're going. Well, congratulations on that, um, on that vote of confidence on the, by the spectator in your school and in you. That's a lot of money. $100,000 gift is a big major gift to a foundation. Absolutely is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been really uh, something uh, to meeting with Marvin Schenken uh, several times. And uh, um, it, it took years. This, this, is, this was in years in the works, but it was great timing. Well, that's great. I mean, that's really, really great. Really great to know. I, I think I've kind of asked you most of my questions. I think we had a question about what you see next sort of, right, Sunny? No, you're really busy, but I can't imagine you having time for more, but I was just curious, <laughs> what's next for San Francisco Wine School? Do you have any other projects you're working on that you'd like to share with us? Well, I'm, I'm really excited about the hybrid education um, because, you know, there wasn't a lot of online wine education um, prior to the pandemic. And I will say all these unemployed sommeliers suddenly are now virtual sommeliers. So we jumped on it quickly and we were getting tons of students. And then all of a sudden there's competition everywhere. What's fascinating now is there are a lot of people who only want in-person and all these virtual sommeliers don't have an in-person place. But there's still a ton of people who are like, I, um, I don't really feel like driving 30 minutes to class. Sure. I'd rather do it from home mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm across the country. So we, we realized we've got to get back in the classroom, but we, would, we don't want to give up these new students that we found. So we spent a fair amount of money on audiovisual equipment. And it's, it's pretty amazing because I've got a big screen behind me and a small screen in front of me. And I see the slides and I see the students across the screen. And if they ask a question, everyone in the room hears it just as though they were in the room. And I've got a lavalier mic on, a lapel mic on, and they're hearing me crystal clear. I've got a tracking camera following me when I run around the room and dance and things, you know, um, it, it's, it's been amazing. Um, it, it is a bunch of new skills, uh, learning to operate multiple monitors while teaching, but, um, Sounds incredible. but it's good stuff. Yeah. 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 I'll definitely be signing up for one of your or two or three. I know, me too, me too. I will definitely be signing signing up for that. David, thank you so much for talking to us. It's really been great to see you and to learn all about your new projects and your new successes. Of, yeah, and for those of you who don't know, uh, please share where we can find you, uh, website, social media, for people who want to sign up. Absolutely. So SF Sommelier, I'm, wow, why am I saying that? Sorry, sfwineschool.com. 
you could spell it out if you want, SanFranciscoWineSchool.com. That works too. But SFWineSchool.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. Uh, I don't remember any of the handles, uh, but come to the website and, and find us. If you Google us, it's pretty easy yeah. to type in wine schools in San Francisco. Yeah. You'll find SF Wine School. Great. Thank you so much. So great to see you. Thank you so much for having me on. Great to see you both. And uh, I look forward to clinking glasses in person with both of you uh, sometime soon. As do I. As yeah. do I. Can't wait. <laughs> well, that's a wrap. It's been a fantastic 10 weeks with my co-host, Sunny Gandara. As we've talked with our guests about the topic of sustainability, I've really loved having Sunny as my co-host, and she may come back for a future series in the fall. In the meantime, I'm going to do a short five-week series on sustainability, looking at it more from a corporate angle. My guest next week is Gabriele Lucentini, who is the head, a co-founder, of a communications consultancy firm in Italy called Nertia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And they've created an algorithm for companies to measure themselves against the sustainable development goals from the UN um, according to their communications needs. So I'm really excited for next week's podcast. As always, our podcasts are released on Fridays and you can find them wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. This is Vigneto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow From the land